This is episode 15 with Emily Lung. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is a former standout soccer player at Loyola University. Emily excelled in her four-year career there despite fighting through multiple injuries due to her resiliency. I'm excited to share her message of how her soccer success has now gotten her involved in the coaching side of the sport, as well as how it's helped her other career aspirations. So without further ado, welcome on Emily. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's good to be able to catch up with you here. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about my you know, Loyola career and <laughs> what got me started with soccer. Awesome. So going right into it here, where did your passion for soccer really come from and where did that begin? Yeah, so my dad uh, started watching soccer when he was actually older, older in his career, and he picked up watching Liverpool, one of the Premier League teams. And so from the start, I was watching soccer at my house, and he put me in the little minis league when I was four years old, and I just fell in love with it and had fun uh, beating up on a lot of the (laughs) other kids. And I was like, wow, I really have a passion for this, so... Nice. And did you do other sports too growing up or was it just soccer like right from the get-go? Yeah, it was all soccer. I think since I was three slash four years old, I was really into it and had success. So I kind of just stuck with it. Nice. When was the moment, I guess, in your playing career that you realized you could play Division One and like be pretty good at the sport? Yeah, so... At an early on age, I knew I loved it and I had fun and I was willing to work in my backyard and, you know, I would say no to friends hanging out to be playing soccer. So I was always very driven and drawn to the sport. But I think when I started playing at the club level, which is U9, we would play 9v9 and I just recall one of the games, uh, the the other team would score and then I would dribble down the field and score and then the other team would score and I would score and we ended up losing that game nine to eight but I remember I got seven of the eight goals and my I remember my dad saying to me like wow okay like this is for you like we should yeah. really work on this and continue this because like I could see a future you playing in college in division one and I was like yeah this is awesome so seven goals in one game that's uh impressive <laughs> no matter what age you are yeah I don't even really remember it that well but I remember my dad telling me okay wow like this is yeah. something right here and I was just having fun, so. I think you also brought up, I, I definitely remember the amount of times of like, no, I can't do this. The joke is always, no, I can't do this. I have swim practice. Mm-hmm. Like, but you could replace swim practice with soccer practice, whatever sport you do. Yep. Um, a lot of people don't realize the sacrifice that you have to put in growing up. Um, yeah, that's a huge part of, I think, what makes people successful in their sport. Um, now talking on, I guess, your recruiting process, how'd you, you end up playing at Loyola, how'd you decide on Loyola, what were kind of like the factors that really led into your decision? Mm -hmm. So for soccer, um, colleges start looking at you at a young age, so freshman slash sophomore year, um, if you're playing on a top club team, you go to a lot of big recruiting tournaments, and there could be 40 to 50 college coaches there. So right away, you know, I was going to Florida and Texas and some different places around the country and getting a lot of emails and letters in the mail. And so I started to kind of narrow down what were the top schools I was looking at. And I ended up visiting UVA, JMU, Florida State, Loyola, which I eventually chose, and um, going to the different colleges. I was just 
trying to figure out, you know, what exactly am I looking for in a program. Mm -hmm. And while uh, I came down to Loyola and Florida State, and I loved Florida State, I realized I probably wouldn't start playing till I was a junior uh, later in my career. And Loyola was willing to offer me a pretty big scholarship and uh, starting from the get-go. So I realized I would rather start and play my four years then sit on the bench for two of the years. So that's what drew me to Loyola over some of the other bigger schools where I wouldn't play as much. I feel like that's a huge factor. A lot of the more and more college athletes that I talk to, it's like they were good in high school, but I feel like there's so many, like you're great on your high school team and it's hard to make that transition to a team where you are, you're still good, but now you're not a starter or like, for me, it was like you weren't a point scorer on a team and you wouldn't make the conference team and stuff like that, a travel team. Um, I was like, I don't want that. Like, I want to have four years of this. So that played a huge factor in my decision too. Yeah, exactly. And overall, I think I wanted to be an impact player and hopefully eventually be captain mm -hmm. and get a lot of playing time. So for me, I was like, I'd rather go to a school where, yeah, it's going to be more fun. I'm going to get to enjoy the sport I love. 100%. Um, now, talk about that transition to the college game. Was it a lot faster? Like, what was the main difference from high school to college for you? So college, uh, from club to college, was a huge transition for me because I actually tore my first ACL junior year of high school. So I had committed to Loyola, and then about six months later, I tore one. So I had to call the Loyola coach and say, hey, I tore an ACL. Are you still offering me the scholarship? So that was a tough time, and luckily, you know, they were very supportive of me. And I recovered for eight months, and I was about to play in another game my senior year, my first game back from the first ACL, and I toured the other ACL. So going into college, I hadn't played any games, and I had torn two ACLs. So it was definitely a rough transition. I know for most people, speed of play is a lot harder. It's a lot more intense just in general, and then also coming off two major injuries it was just a whole nother level and experience and um, I really had to work hard on my fitness and agility and everything like that that came along with it. So it was very tough to transition for me. Just a unique case. Yeah, did you find yourself approaching the game differently or playing the game differently because of the injuries or were you just kind of same old, same old? Yeah, for sure. I was very hesitant going into tackles. Um, my second ACL I tore actually heading the ball. I came down and it hyperextended. Um, so heading the ball, I was hesitant. So I had to get over a lot of those fears and I still have those fears today, but it's trying to figure out how can you play through that? Because I knew I had four years of college soccer to play and yeah. couldn't be hesitant all four years. What like tips or what things did you do that helped you like get more comfortable and getting back to your, your style of play? Mm -hmm. I think... Mentally, it was very tough at first, but making sure I did everything my physical therapist gave me. So being diligent with my exercises, I knew and I was comfortable that, hey, my knees are fine and they can handle this because I've practiced cutting and sprinting and doing everything at physical therapy. So I've already done this so I can do it in a game. And I think slowly getting back into it was huge. I wasn't just thrown into a game and said, hey, go play 90 minutes and hope your knees are fine. Um, I slowly was brought into it, like 10 minutes here and there, and slowly brought into practice, first starting non-contact, then mm -hmm. contact. And so I think mentally the biggest thing was not jumping into it and also making sure I did my due, due diligence and doing everything my physical therapist had me do. 
Yeah, I think especially in rehab, the most important thing is to just trust the process and and be patient. Mm -hmm. Of like, some people I feel like just want to get right back into it. Um, that's just their nature, their competitive spirit, and you got to take the time leading up to it. Otherwise, you're gonna further injure yourself and possibly end your career that way, depending on what what happens. Um, now, there's been a huge, I think, wave of mindfulness training, like meditation, yoga, um, mixed in with different athletics now. Did your team participate in that at all? Um, and so what did that look like for you all? So actually, we didn't do too much of that, and I wish okay. we had. However, we did... Um, it was we would go on trips and we would work on just like talking with each other and it was almost like a retreat that we did mm -hmm. once a year in the beginning of the season and we would just kind of talk about things we were going through we'd get in small groups and we'd come up with goals for the season and that was a way to kind of let out if you were stressed about anything or um, had any upcoming yeah like stresses in your life about the current season that was a way mm -hmm. to just talk and we were in a secluded location um, at this retreat house and like no cell phones were involved or anything so you just really got to know each person so I think that was helpful going into the season however I wish yeah during the year we did more mindfulness training yeah. and more yoga yeah I think it's what's really interesting I mean Swimming, I think, is unique because it's it's an individual sport and also a team sport, but like more focus is on individual mm -hmm. performance. I think it's really fascinating now getting to talk to a lot of team sport players, um, soccer being one of them. What was that like to like deal with, I guess, your friendships or like arguments with teammates that were also your friends on the field? Did that ever impact your guys's? actual playing time yeah game. yep it definitely did I would say my freshman year of college was really rough uh, a lot of the players didn't get along our seniors didn't get along with juniors sophomores freshmen it was just kind of a mix of players not being happy however mm -hmm. we really worked on that and through the years by my junior senior year we were such a tight-knit group that we made playoffs and had more success on the field I've noticed with a lot of teams and I've been coaching now and stuff how important it is for your players to feel comfortable with each other and there to be good communication um, on the field and off the field. Because actually it, it is definitely true. If you don't have a good team culture and team atmosphere, mm -hmm. you will not have as much success on the field. Yeah, I think that plays a huge thing. I feel like in pro sports, you see it all the time. It's it's usually, I mean, just because you bring in like a superstar to your team, it's not like right away you're like noticeably better. Like LeBron going to the Lakers, they didn't, win the championship mm -hmm. right away, even though some would argue he's the best player in the world in basketball. There's that team culture aspect that you have to mesh and bond. Yep, and just communicate, learn how to communicate and interact. Um, now, do you think that you personally had a unique mindset that you approached the game that helped you um, maybe differ yourself from your peers, your teammates, and become the player that you became? I think we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, talking about how, you know, friends are off hanging out with other friends mm -hmm. and you say, no, I have soccer practice or I have swimming or whatever. I think my mindset was just being the most competitive athlete and 
um, determined person I could be. I was always, you know, the girl in the backyard juggling the soccer ball and trying to beat out her teammates. We'd have juggling competitions, and mm-hmm. I would go home and practice alone, and my friends would say, hey, want to come hang out? And I'd say, no, i got to practice this because, you know, tomorrow at practice I have to beat the other teammate. So I think just a competitive mindset was the key for me to playing Division One. I. I always just have had to be the best. So I think that's how I differentiate from, you know, some of my friends growing up, mm-hmm. just because they valued other things, which is fine. But for me to be the best, I had to be the most competitive. Was that more internal and external motivation for you? Like, where did that come from? Um, I think internal. I think that's just my personality. My parents were always very supportive, but never, you know, forced me into soccer yeah. or anything like that. So I think it was just internal that... I strive to do the best I can do, and that that's with a lot of things too, not just soccer and college athletics, mm-hmm. but you know, school, academics, same thing. I think, I mean, obviously a lot of what you learn in sport translates way beyond sport. Uh, it's good you notice it, and it's not just playing soccer. You're, you want that. You want that in your whole life, which makes sense. There's a lot of people like that. What goes on through your head when you're actually on the pitch, like, playing a game? Are you thinking about what's next? Are you, like, totally locked in on the moment? Um, For me, it kind of depended on the game. For the most part, I was locked in on the moment, like, what's next? Is the ball going to come to me? Mm -hmm. You know, do I need to make this run, whatever, on the soccer field? Um, I think I also got nervous during games, which uh, games I did get nervous. I didn't play as well. Mm -hmm. So I think I really tried to focus and just stay in the moment and not – Uh, think about, oh, I just made a really bad pass, just moving forward and saying, hey, I made that bad pass, but the next one's got to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, just staying in the moment and focusing is kind of what I did during games. Did you have anything you did in particular that helped you stay in the moment and stay focused? Um, Nothing I did in particular. I know different teammates who had superstitions that they did before the game or Mm -hmm. during the game or whatever. But I think my main focus was listening to my coach, listening to my teammates, um, communication is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped me stay focused because when you have teammates telling you, hey, you know, move here, play the ball here, do this, that helps you stay tuned in. Yeah. Um, I feel like, too, like soccer is such a game of position mm-hmm. and like anticipation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be a tough balance of being locked in in your own head, but then still aware of like what's going on around you, but then also tuning out like what the crowd noise is like or if there's bad weather and stuff like that. Did you find yourself struggling with that? And then how did you adapt, if so? Yeah, when I was younger, I used to struggle with parents yelling things because parents, you know, at the club level, you're 10 years old, would get so into it and be yelling at you or yelling at the ref or whatever. So at a young age, I had to figure out how to tune that out. I used to not like to play. If I was playing left mid, I wouldn't want to play on the side with the parents because you'd hear Mm -hmm. all of that noise. Um, luckily my parents weren't yelling at me or anything like that, but just hearing all the other parents, um, I just had to figure out at a young age how to tune that out. And it just comes with staying focused, um, on the game, staying focused, uh, listening to what your teammates are saying, what your coach is saying, and not worrying about those external factors and the weather. And I think that just came with practice and time. Okay. What about the other thing too, is like, obviously refs, um, should be, you know, unbiased, but they're known to sometimes mess up and make bad calls. What do you do as a player? You know, a bad call is made against your team. How do you adapt from that? How do you not let it affect you in play? 
that was another hard skill to pick up because as a player you get frustrated mm -hmm. and you want the ref to make calls for your team obviously and if he misses a foul or whatever you're going to get upset so for me growing up I was usually captain on my team so I was the one who could speak to the ref mm -hmm. so I had to learn um, what tone I use with the ref it's very delicate because if you know you yell at the ref then they're not going to give you as many calls so being the speaking captain I had to learn how to talk to the ref in a respectful manner and you know bring to his attention hey number 17 is fouling a lot can you watch that and say it in a proper tone versus like a demanding Do your tone job. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah exactly so I think just learning how to communicate with the ref was key and again I started at a young age so I had time mm. to learn hey these tones work with the ref saying this you know wording does not work well with them <laughs> yeah i think it's really interesting i was just at the caps game and obviously from a fan's perspective in the stands you hear everything mm -hmm. like there's a bad call by the ref and the fans will let them know um it's interesting to hear kind of the actual athlete players perspective on it because i feel like you can't get caught up in it you have to yeah it didn't go your way but the game still goes on. The score still the score. You still got to do your job too. Yeah, exactly. And so. I have some teammates who get really mad and, and hot-headed at some of the refs. And the other thing is being a captain, how can you calm your teammates down and tell them, hey, don't speak to the ref. Like, this is my job. That's mm -hmm. a whole nother <laughs> That's thing. a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, describe the best game that you've ever had in your soccer career at any level. It could be the seventh game. <laughs> there seven goal game that you had early on and then do you remember anything in particular that went on through your head during that game I think one of my favorite soccer memories was winning the state championship um, for high school soccer mm -hmm. I was a freshman then so I had just gotten into high school and it was a you know big deal to be on varsity and I was like this is awesome and then we were playing in the state championship game and I crossed the ball in and we scored so I got the game winning assist mm -hmm. so that was just an amazing feeling but also it was just a rewarding feeling because my team did so well as a whole it wasn't just me individually and that's with soccer and a lot of different sports um, some of the most rewarding experiences are as a team versus individual success. So I think what was going through my head is what can I do to help the team during that game? So even though I didn't get the game winning goal, it felt just as rewarding getting the assist and crossing mm -hmm. the ball in. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. I remember in my swimming career, I was fortunate to have success, but at the same meet, I got to watch two teammates also win the conference. And I try to describe to non-athletes that I felt more proud and more excited watching my teammates succeed and win their events than when I won my event. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I don't get that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's cool. Like, I wanted to succeed as a team. Mm -hmm. Individual success came second. It was like, if we're not winning as a team, I'm not totally thrilled. Yep, exactly. Um, and that's not a team, total team sport like yours was. <laughs> um, where did your motivation for the sport come? I think you touched on it being more internal. How did you maintain that all the way through college? Because a lot of people get to college athletics and they do two years. Then some other stuff comes up. It's like Greek life is involved, social life. There's other things. It's a lot harder to be like, no, I have soccer practice the older you get. Yeah, I think college um, 
motivation was easy because it was very structured. So it was mm-hmm. like you have practice, you have games. You can't say no. You're on a scholarship. You're kind of binded with that. But I also just love the game so much. And I had great support from my parents and brother. And if I was upset and unmotivated, I could always call my dad and he would pump me up for any game. Mm-hmm. So just having that you know, support to lean on was huge for me, my college careers uh, or my college career. And then I think also um, just leaning on friends and teammates too when you're unmotivated and they can help get you motivated and you're going through the same mm-hmm. thing together. So you have you know, an incredibly hard sprint session and who are you leaning on your teammates because they just went through it with you. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Um, I tell a lot of people that I work with, motivation will come and go. Um, It's not forever. And it would be awesome if you could approach every workout with, you know, you're feeling 100% motivated, Mm -hmm. but you're not. You have to lean on dedication more so than anything else and just be disciplined. Did you find yourself, it sounds like you were pretty disciplined in your craft. Yeah, and... You kind of had to be with college because you're also trying to balance classes and a social life. So Mm -hmm. I feel like in every aspect of life, you have to be as disciplined as possible. When you do have that free time, you have to be doing your work. You know, on a weekend, can you balance, hey, I have soccer practice, I have this work, and I also want to hang out with my friends. So yeah, it does come down to discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you touched on it well. I mean, I noticed when I met you um, through our first job, it was like, I could tell she had a background in athletics because you just hit the ground like running. And there's like all this talk about, oh man, she's going to be so successful here because she's just doing every extra thing needed. Um, So it's cool to see it play on in your life past your playing career. (laughs) Um, Now, as far as I want to talk about cognitive arousal, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's just kind of how mentally you get up or don't get up for games. Did you ever feel yourself that you were too amped for a game ever in your in your playing career? Um, I don't think I was ever too amped. It would be more so I was too nervous. Okay. Um, uh, nerves would kind of kick in, especially college level, because mm-hmm. I hadn't played very much because of so many different injuries. Any game that I was put in, I wasn't too pumped up. I was almost, yeah, too nervous. Okay. Um, so it was a different aspect of that. Um, There were some games where it was hard to get pumped up for. Maybe it's 30 degrees outside, 20 degrees outside. You're in Under Armour and you're freezing. And every time you kick the soccer ball, you know, it hurts. So I think that was kind of more what would happen. Maybe I'd get less pumped up for certain games. Mm -hmm. How would you deal with that? Because that's, I mean, that's a challenge too. Like if you're not totally like, oh, I want to play today. The conditions are, eh. Mm -hmm. What would you do? Um, I think for me personally, that was less internal, more external, where I'd rely on my parents and teammates to kind of help me. I'd, like I said, I'd call my dad and get a pump up talk, or you know, me and my teammates would talk about it and be like, "Oh, we're dreading this, but like we got to get pumped up. You got to figure out a way to mm-hmm. get hyped." And if we play loud music or dance in the locker room, whatever it was, um, but we all kind of did it together as a group. That's awesome. Um, what's your biggest takeaway, Ben? from soccer that you use now in your day-to-day life? I think the biggest thing would definitely be time management. Um, We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but being able to balance soccer and schoolwork, same thing in life now, being able to balance outside things and getting your work done and Mm -hmm. all the day-to-day life things that need to get done. So I think time management has been huge. Um, I remember one season I missed uh, 27 classes in a semester, and I was like, (laughs) I could not get through that unless... 
I had my time management and I literally would write out in a planner, mm-hmm. you know, this hour is allotted for work, this hour is allotted for practice, whatever. So I think time management is key. I think it's a huge thing. Um, what's your advice for that next generation of athletes that are a little bit on the younger side? They're looking to come up now and play either in high school, they're looking to play in, in college. What's your best piece of advice for them? Um, my best piece of advice would be just continue to do it if you love it. And if you're not 100% in, maybe college isn't for you. But if you know you love this and you're willing to dedicate your life to it, then I would definitely recommend college athletics. Um, but either way, I just think like anything in life, do it if you love it. And if you enjoy playing whatever sport that is, continue with it. Um, yeah, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Awesome. And I guess now you've we talked about this um, before this um, episode. You've transitioned now into coaching. What's mm-hmm. that experience been like? And is it different now seeing the game from the other side of, I guess, the coaching aspect now? Yeah, it's been awesome, and it's been such a rewarding experience. Playing, you're you're doing it for your teammates and your coach and your family, but it's also for yourself. Mm-hmm. Doing or coaching, it's very different because you're trying to motivate other players, and it's more rewarding. You know, you're not on the field, so it's rewarding when one of your players does something you train them to do. So it's just been an awesome experience. It's also been challenging because we've talked about internal motivation, mm-hmm. and I can do that on my own. But being able to figure out how to motivate younger players is a whole different thing and every person is different so some players are motivated by yelling and getting on them and you're extra demanding of them Mm -hmm. other players are better if you hype them up and pump them up for games so coaching um, has just been a totally different ball game and really interesting to see how different players get motivated yeah I think that it's almost impossible Um, (laughs) sometimes but as you get to know the kids better and better no matter what level you're coaching at, you can get better at it. I, my coach in college was awesome of like very quickly learning. Okay, Corey responds to this. Mm-hmm. This guy responds to this. This guy responds to this. How do I make it all work? Mm-hmm. And he had a little process for all of us. And it was all different mm-hmm. um, for 30 different guys. It was pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, now... I guess the last thing I have for you, is there anything unique to your mental approach now that someone, maybe not in athletics, can take away into their day-to-day life and implement to see some better success, I guess? Yeah, I think it's just loving what you're doing. If you're not loving it, then maybe it isn't for you. And and even with work, you know, you might not love your job, but at least surround yourself with people who, you know, you can have a fun time with. And I think that life should be fun. And um, you should wake up every day excited to do whatever you're doing. Mm. Um, that's how I felt about soccer. That's how I feel about coaching. So I think it's finding your niche and, um, yeah, just really pursuing what you love. So. I think that's very well said. Um, the only thing I'll add is, like, there's definitely going to be days where it's not quite there. Yeah, but, definitely. <laughs> and that's, that's anything. That's life. Mm-hmm. That's probably you have the same thing in your soccer career. Yep. Um, same for me in my swimming career. Um, <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to hear your background and best of luck to your kids now, um, uh, upcoming season here and best of luck with everything else you're doing. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you took the time to listen in and I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily. I ask that however you've been listening, whether on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or another platform, please share this episode with at least one person today. 
you can impact someone else's lives in a positive way by doing so. Subscribe to our channel so you'll be sure never to miss an episode. And come back on next Friday as I welcome on Egyptian national record holder, Hanina Moro. Have a great week.